The Lord bless you. Good morning, friends. Happy to be in again today. And I see it's a little warm back there. And if there's any of the fans that they wish to let loose, well, it'll be all right. I was just a little late. I'm always a little late. But the phone calls and things have helped me so. And especially the manager called and tell me where the future meetings was coming. So next Sunday, we begin on the fairgrounds at Shreveport in a big tent. Uh, next Sunday, to run a two-week service, the first week of preaching services only, the gospel, and then the second week of healing service, and then from the 5th to the 9th, it's Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, in the ice arena there, where we was at a few years ago. And then, but then we come back and go to the California then for the great 50-year uh, Azusa Street Rally. Uh, and the California coast and up around in San Francisco and up there there's several meetings set up and Brother Cox will have them pretty soon as soon as we can get them scheduled now I'm so glad this morning to be a Christian I just don't know anything greater than being a Christian I can think of years gone by and of misspent life and I was thinking the other day being 47 now I thought if I could only take back those 23 years that I lived in the world. I was 23 before I was made a minister of the gospel by the grace of God. And if I could only call those years back, I would like to do it for one purpose, to make that up in preaching the gospel Amen. or uh, getting souls saved. Amen. There's nothing any greater than to see a soul born again in the kingdom of God. And I can remember the years of walking in the world where I seemingly thought I was having a good time. As far as morals, I, the Lord blessed me so much in that, not to be immoral and drinking, smoking, running around, immoral life. But yet I thinking I was a pretty good fellow but one day the Lord took me to the deathbed and I realized there wasn't nothing in me any good there. Amen. That it, I must have an experience of being born again. Right. When the Lord Jesus saved me, I don't say it, everything has been real good since then, but I've had so much joy in knowing that if anything does happen, everything's all right. See, yeah. I, that I have peace with God that's passes all understanding. Sometimes I can't understand those things, but knowing His Word that He promised it is all for good, then it's all right. That it settles it forever. Now, today, uh, announced the subject that I was to teach on, the mark of the beast, which is a very vital subject. Amen. And um, it would maybe try and approach it today from a, a standpoint, well, that subject would probably take, I could stay on three or four months every day and still be in the scriptures on that great subject. But a thought today being that we were going to pray for the sick people after this morning's Sunday school session. Many of the people gather in here for healing and they wait around in motels and hotels and wait for this morning to when they can come in to be prayed for. And we certainly wouldn't want to take their space of time. So if I start on the subject and then 
continue on in a few days when I get back again, maybe between the two meetings, then back again after that. I'll try to continue on, the Lord willing, on the mark of the beast. And you teaching the mark of the beast, you have to have the seal of God to run with it. Because they run right side by side. Amen. Now, in this great vital subject before we approach it, let's talk to the author of the word, the Lord Jesus, just in a moment of prayer if we'll bow our heads. Our kind Heavenly Father, we now come to Thee humbly in the name of the Lord Jesus, Thy Son, and asking for divine mercy and guidance in the Scripture, realizing myself that here before me sets the purchase of His blood. And one word misrepresented might cause some soul to be turned away. But the right word represented at the right time and in the right place might cause a wayward sinner to come to Christ. So help us, dear God, and seal our lips to anything that would be contrary to Thy divine will. You know every heart, and you know the need of every heart. And we pray that you'll let the Holy Spirit take the Word of God and direct it to every heart, just as we have need. For we ask it in Christ's name, thy Son. Amen. Now, in the 13th chapter of of the revelation of Jesus Christ. We want to read a portion from there and also from the 14th chapter of the book of Revelation. Now, there is a, a seat sitting over here, a little bench, if Brother Fleeman, if you'd want to get it for some of them in the back, it's right at, extremely against the wall over here. Well, you'd be more than welcome. Our little church is not adequate maybe for size or the the people, but we people come and can't get the seats and they go back. But we started here and it's a sacred little spot and we love it dearly with all of our heart and we we just like to stay in these little old walls because God has come down many times Amen. and blessed us in these walls. Now, in the 13th chapter and beginning with the Let's see, we began about the 11th verse of the 13th chapter of the Revelation. Now I beheld a beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he does great wonders, so as make fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of man, and deceive them that dwelt on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image unto the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all 
both small, great, rich, poor, free, bound, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their forehead. And no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the numbers of the beast for it's the number of a man. His number is 603 score and six. In the 14th chapter we read this. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwelt on the earth and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment is come and worship Him that made heavens and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. And there followed him another angel, saying, Babylon is falling, is falling, the great city, because it made all nations to drink from the wine of the wrath of her fornications. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast or his image or receive his mark in their forehead or hand, the same shall drink of the wrath of God which is poured out without mystery into the cup of indignation and shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, this great subject that we are approaching has certainly caused some great controversy and some pro and con. On the, on the subject. And I, for myself, believe that it's such a great, a vital part of the Scripture that all the Scripture should be taught. All of it. We should not leave any of it out. God has spoke through the Scriptures about the mark of the beast and how that it was to appear in the last days, and as a minister of the gospel, believing that we're living in the last days, I believe that it's a timely message that should be approached reverently in this day. Now, there has been many thoughts projected to the peoples concerning this vital God sent message, warning to the church. Amen. It's been many things has been thought and given to the people what this mark of the beast was. And of course, like all other scripture, it causes cults to rise. And but surely, if there is such a thing fixing to befall the people of the earth. There should be some gospel sensible answer to the question. Amen. If God so Amen. placed it that those who receive this would be tormented in the presence of the Lamb and all the angels and fire and brimstone 
and will be an eternal, everlasting judgment to those who receive this great mark. We ought to have some conception of what it is. And then it ought not to be approached by some mental theology. It should be approached by the Scripture. Scripture must answer to Scripture. We realize that reading the Bible, you do not read it like you would a newspaper. Because it's been the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to hide many things from the eyes of the wise and prudent and would reveal it to babes such as would learn. God wants somebody who's hungry so he can just take them over to one side and set them down and say, here it is, child of mine. This is it. The world don't understand this, but ye shall understand. Let it be this way. Then... All Scripture given by inspiration, then it must be interpreted by inspiration. And then Scripture must compare with Scripture. And I thought perhaps maybe today that realizing that through the grace of God and the ministry that He has allotted me to bring to the people, how people fasten to the words and hold on to them, Always try to approach it just as reverently, unselfishly as I know how. Because, and by the Scripture, and if it doesn't compare with the Scripture, then I just leave it alone. Now, this has been said many times. It's been projected here some years ago. I remember as a young minister that people wouldn't put the little NRA in their windows, that that was the mark of the beast. It's been projected many times that the Vatican hierarchy, Pope of Rome, and many times the different characters that's raised like Adolf Hitler, Mussolini, and many of those being the beast and so forth. Now, as uneducated persons, I try to use the scriptures of the Old Testament as a type or shadow of the new. God always foreshadows everything before it happens. All ages. Never without one time failing. All ages. Now, I thought this morning that it would be a good time to go back and get the mark of the beast in its amateur and in its primitive, where it begins. And it's true that there is to be a certain person, a man, that it is to wind up in in the last days. But it's foreshadowed back in the beginning and also foreshadowed down into your life and foreshadowed through every church age. And then comes to a positive place in a man in the last days. Now, to go into this, which I say would take weeks of Bible teaching, but being today we just have a short, limited time, we will take it in its amateur, or not, I don't mean that, I mean in its primitive, the origin of it, 
and bring it what is the beginning of the mark of the beast. How do you receive it? I'm sure there's none of us ever wants it because those that are wearing it will certainly never stand in the presence of God. And it's to be in the last day when it is to be manifested and we certainly ought to know some reason or what is it. Now, last night in the basement while studying and going through the Scriptures, searching as I have weeks after weeks on this subject, now, sometimes in speaking in a mixed audience as we have today, both men and women, sometimes using parables to get the point in, it would seem like that maybe I might say something that wouldn't be just appropriate among a mixed group of people. But if you were sitting in a doctor's office, they would, you would listen to him, no matter if you're a teenage girl or boy or whoever it was. And we're in the house of God where we're to have clean minds and clean hearts. And if we haven't, it's our place at the altar. That's right. So in these words, and I don't mean to use any time, anything to throw off on people. If I do that, then I need to be at the altar. But it's to bring gospel truth to know this, that if you fail to tell the truth, God will require it at the pastor's hand. Then if it's off of the pastor, onto the congregation, then the congregation will answer for themselves. Now, all the old, the types, the shadows, Christ in the shadow of the Lamb, God in the beginning, knowing all things. Nothing has ever been predicted or put in the Scripture but what God already spoke it before the foundation of the world. The whole plan of God was laid out. You believe it? St. John, the first chapter, about the seventh verse, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then what this Bible was is God before the foundation of the world. The only reason it's written in here is prophets receiving from God foreknowledge of His predestinated plan of the ages. A lawyer studies the books to find out all the knowledge that he knows how to find out so that he can give it to his, his um, client. Oh, that's the way the prophets are. The teachers are. They study the Word. First, the prophet goes to God. And the Word comes down and he wrote it in the Bible. And now that was God's foreordained plan the prophet saw. And he wrote it in words so that the people following would be warned of situations and things to come. See? Now, by inspiration, that word was spoke by God. By inspiration, the prophet brought it. And by inspiration, we have to receive it. 
It's not a material. It's not a natural thing. It's not a the carnal mind. Listen. The man in his carnal condition can never understand it. Know it all. It's impossible. For the spiritual things to the carnal mind is foolish, says the Scripture. And vice versa. Now we must be spiritual minded. Now, approaching this, let's get something of the Old Testament that even the newborn babes, the children in Christ, might be able to comprehend, to understand, as we show it by parable, how it happens. As I say now, remember, all the things of the Old Testament was a shadow of the things to come. Hebrews 11.1 The law having a shadow of good things. A shadow. Hebrews 10, rather, 1. The law having a shadow of good things to come. Therefore, they offered a lamb in the Old Testament as a shadow of God giving the Lamb of God. All the things being a shadow. Then, if this great vital prediction here of the Scripture, surely God will give us a foreshadow of what, how it is done. Now, I think it's so beautifully typed in the Scripture and given by inspiration, and we could go back into the the Exodus, we could go back into Leviticus the 21st, find the Jubilee year, and go over into Exodus, I think, about the 6th chapter, and so forth in many places. Pick this up. But now, how are we saved? By faith are you saved in that by grace? Nothing you can do. Not one thing you can do to be saved. If you can, then Christ's death is in vain. It isn't what you eat, what you drink, how you dress, this, that, or the other, but you are saved by grace through faith. God by His sovereign grace foreordained, spoke your word, your life into existence before the world was ever formed, and by His infant mind knowed what you'd be in the final end. Then grace constrained Him, love constrained Him to project Sovereign grace to the earth to make a provision to save you. If he's seen you desire to be saved, then God through his love, his great attributes would not permit him to do nothing else if God is love. And seeing a group of people before him that was going to be lost, it's up to love to take the place to make a way of escape. He must do it. It would be against his nature not to do it. So he makes a way. And then as he makes a way, he also has set many mileposts, warnings, red lights, 
and so forth as we journey on down through life. Why, even the law of the land fixes stop signs, red lights, gold lights, to help save our mortal life. And that's just the feeling of mankind one for another. How much more has the God of heaven fixed warnings, signals, signs, to let us bypass these things. And today we're approaching on the subject of one of the vital signs. Great barricade dropped across. Now, a mark. The Bible speaks that the mark of the beast would be known by the hand or the head. I've heard it predicted by many different ways that they tattoo a sign in your hand, a sign on your head, now, I do not believe that that's correct with Scripture. And there's going to be a group of people that's going to be marked for destiny in hell, and there's going to be people marked for their eternal destiny in heaven. Amen. And these two marks run side by side. And it's going to get so great. Listen, so pinching. That just before the coming of the Lord, that you'll have to have one mark or the other, or there'll be a boycott. You can't bind ourselves. Notice. Now, how does this begin? Now, these two great things have been working in the churches for years. Now, look. Judas was the Antichrist. We know that. He was the one, he was not seemingly against Christ. Seemingly he was for Christ. And the Bible said that in the last days them two spirits will be so close to each other that it would deceive the very elect, if possible. Amen. And as the Spirit of God from the beginning finally worked down, down to Moses. Do you believe Christ was in Moses? Certainly. Was Christ in Joseph? Why, he portrayed Christ just perfectly. Born, loved of the Father, hated of his brothers, sold for practically 30 pieces of silver, put into a ditch supposedly to be dead, taken up, sitting at the right hand of Pharaoh, the greatest nation in the world. When he went forth, they bowed the knee. Joseph is approaching. Perfect type of Christ. How his brethren was made known to him. How they wept and said, this is our sin, and how that was portrayed letter by letter of Christ. Look at David, the son of David. Christ was the son of David. Christ in David. Hated, despised, rejected of his own people. Dethroned. Went up over the mountain. Looking back, weeping. Because his own even beloved children had turned him down and dethroned him. And he wept over Jerusalem as he went up. Perfect type of Christ 
the son of David, sitting on Mount Olive, rejected by his own beloved, and sat up there weeping over Jerusalem, said, How oft would I have hovered you as the hen does or brood, but you have not. Now, what was it? The Spirit of God working down through the prophets till it come to full manifestation in Christ Jesus, and He was God, made manifest in flesh. And the Spirit of Antichrist come down through the religious teachers, down through Cain, Nimrod, and on down through each one until it finally made itself manifested in a character called Judas Iscariot. And just about the time that Christ was made manifest, Judas come on the scene. And just the time that Christ went off of the earth hanging on a tree, Judas went out of the earth hanging on a tree. And just about the time the Holy Spirit come forth on the day of Pentecost to the church, the Antichrist spirit followed it. Saint John, or First John, uh, one says, "Beloved, First John one four, believe not every spirit, for that spirit of Antichrist which was to come is already in the world, working among the children of disobedience." Now, as they begin anew, they come and manifest it in eighty one. In the beginning, they went out at the same time, and both spirits is working through the church, calling out a, a church on either side. And both of them, whoa, don't fail to get this. Both of them are religious. Amen. Both of them are very religious. Let's travel back, way back at the first. Cain and Abel, Judas and Jesus. Both of them religious. Both of them worshiping. You get it? And as Judas killed Christ, or as Cain killed Abel at the altar, Judas deceived and and delivered Christ, and he was killed at the altar. And here comes the two spirits moving along. And they're religious. Both of them. Oh, I hope you Amen. get it. Amen. There is a way that seemeth right. God, give me grace to always stand by it. As down through the age here at the tabernacle, regardless of what Amen. people thought, I've tried to stay right straight on the Scripture. I love people, but sometimes you have to hurt them. Because the church is a house of correction. Amen. The judgment seat of God is at His church. Amen. Notice, religious. Jesus said to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, You are of your father the devil. Amen. If you would have known me, you would have known my day also. Now, get back to our type. Now, there was a beautiful type given that I wish to start with today of the marking of the beast. Now, in the Old Testament, the Bible said that there was to be 
a 50-year jubilee. That was seven times seven years. And in the 49th year, that it was to be made ready. And the 50th year was the jubilee year. 50 means jubilee. It was 50 is God's jubilee number. The word Pentecost means 50. It was the outgoing of the Holy Spirit at the end of the 50 days. It was also the end of the 50th year. Jesus come to foreshadow or forewarn rather the people of the coming year of Jubilee. He went into the synagogue at Capernaum and sat down and taken the scriptures and turned over to Isaiah 61.1 and read this scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for He has anointed me to Amen. preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. To set the captives at liberty and to give sight to the blind. And when he got through reading, he sat down and handed the scripture back to the priest. And he said, this day, Amen. this scripture is fulfilled in your ears and eyes. You sit, for he was giving forth the warning of the coming forth of the great gusher of Pentecost. Amen. To set at liberty everyone that was slaves to sin and bound. Now, after going forth of this jubilee year, it was to be sounded throughout all the lands. A trumpet was to sound. And this trumpet would make the distinction of the trumpet was the 50th year sound that let every slave that had been bought are become poor, poor, and could not care for his own. He had fell beneath the load, and his master for his debt had bought him and had placed him into the fields as a slave, and he had to serve him, for he was too poor to redeem himself. But God said, Remember, you were one-time slaves yourself and down in Egypt. And I have freed you. Therefore, at the sounding of the trumpet, every slave, no matter how long he's been in or how short a time, he's at liberty to return to his family, to return to his people and be free of every debt. For it is a time of jubilee. Even you wasn't planting any corn. You know what the field produced just to live on it. You shouldn't uh, trim your vineyard or anything. The poor of the land was to eat of it. A very beautiful type of the millennium. Notice, every slave, when he heard that trumpet sound, he could throw down his whore or whatever he's working with and say, I am a free man. I couldn't redeem myself. But God, through His grace, Amen. has declared a year of jubilee. Therefore, 
I believe God, and I don't have to work anymore, and the laws of the land claim him free. Amen. What a beautiful type of today. We, poor aliens, nothing we could do if we kept every Sabbath, every new moon, quit eating meat, if we kept all kinds of days and done all kinds of religious sacrifice. We are under a load. We are sold in sin. Amen. Our parents sold us out to sin in the Garden of Eden. And we are later laden under the bonds of sin as a slave to the devil. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. There's nothing we can do to help us cause our whole makeup, our whole nature, and everything we are is sin. But when the jubilee time comes, that we are free, and the trumpet is the gospel, the good news. The trumpet was the gospel then. Good news. You're no longer bound. You no longer have to live in sin. You can go home and be free. Amen. You don't owe any debts at all. The whole midst of patient proclamation is done signed. Amen. And you are free. And today, when a man hears the good news, Christ died in your stead. Amen. Nothing that you can do Amen. about it. Christ paid the price. Amen. The gospel sounds. You can drop every cigarette, every chew tobacco, every whiskey bottle, every everything that's binding you and say, I am free. This is the good news. Christ has made me free. You're a free people. You don't have to go any longer. You don't have to serve the devil any longer. You can be free if you desire to be free. Now, you don't have to drink. You don't have to run around. You don't have to mistreat your wife. You don't have to curse. You don't have to love. You don't have to steal. You don't have to be weary. Why, you've got the resources up there that's never been intact of the bountiful blessings of God that the world knows nothing about. You say, I must have a little pleasure. Why, brother, if you ever hear the good news of the trumpet, the worldly pleasures seem so little, there's sound and brass in the tinkling symbol. Hallelujah. You don't Holy need it no more. Amen. So much greater is this news Amen. than the old boundaries of slavery. Hallelujah. The old marks of sin that cause you to be batty-eyed wretches with smoking cigarettes. Alcoholics on the street with trembling. You don't have to go that way. The gospel trumpets are sounding. Whosoever will, let him come and drink from the But to reject that, if a man said, I want to stay the way I am, I don't want to go, I just want to stay right here, that man was taken to the temple with his slave master. He was put his ear against the post, and an awl was bored in his ear. And it was a sign that he could never be free. Amen. He had to serve his master.
pastor as long as he lived. Because he rejected the news of the good news. If that isn't a perfect type of the marking of the beast, the good news is the gospel. To reject to hear the gospel, your ears is sealed up that you'll always call it fanaticism and there's nothing to it. And you'll be serving sin in forms of godliness as long as you live. No matter how religious you are, you're sealed off from the presence of God. Listen, what was it about 50 years ago on Azusa Street in California? A bunch of people were worshiping God. Methodism had got so formal and indifferent until they didn't want none of the, what they call fanaticism. No shouting, no amen, no nothing in the church. They thought that education and reformation would reform the people to a place that they didn't need this stuff anymore. Let me tell you, my friends, education, as good as it may be, reformation, as good as it may be, will never take the place of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's God's eternal plan to seal His church away. And they went forth on street corners. They walked railroad tracks and picked up a grain of corn at a time and mashed it in a platter and made corn cakes to feed their babies. They preached the gospel across the country. They were thrown in jail. They were made fun of. They were rejected. Call holy rollers, Pentecostal fanatics. And the world, America, rejected it. And when she did, her ears have been sealed to the gospel ever since. What did they do? They refused to drink from the fountains of living water. Amen. What makes all these things in the world today? What makes these ladies wear little shorts? What makes them wear those blouses that you can see their clothes through? What is it? It's hungry children. Drink, thirsty. Blessed are ye when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said, you will not come to me. Listen. The reason they do it is because that they have rejected the fountains of living water and have drunk from a Hollywood broken cistern. That's right. They have received it through all vulgar televisions and so forth like that. And the very plan that they've done, they went right straight back to Eden where it began from. America has refused Christ as their God and receive women as their God. What have they done? They stripped their clothes. And that's a disgrace for a decent person to walk the streets of any city. What does that show? That shows just exactly what's in a woman's heart. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. They have disgraced womanhood. Why? Because that a woman has become a goddess 
trees. One of them was a tree of life. The other was a tree of death. And man refused the tree of life and accepted the tree of death. And that's what the world's done today. It's, it's refused the tree of life, which is Christ, has made a woman their God. She's the American goddess. That sounds hard. I'm skipping down the women. Now, I want to tell you, after all, a woman, let me burn you up on this, and man, you're coming next. Look, a woman is not even so low, she's not even a creation in God. She's a byproduct. After God made the whole creation, He took a piece off of a man and made a woman. She wasn't even considered in the original creation. Correct. She become a helpmate to man. And through there, she's supposed to live for that. But the day man had turned around and made her a god, like Eve was in the Garden of Eden, Adam turned his back on God and went with Eve. And America and the rest of the world have turned their back on God and went with the women. That's scorching. But that's true. Look around. Why, you man? What's the matter with you? Any man that'll let his wife wear clothes like that and smoke cigarettes, that shows what you're made out of. Man, do you know you're the sons of God? You don't know God is. You don't fear God. You fear your wife. That's right. Broken cisterns. Hollywood nonsense. Now, that's not only in Presbyterian and Catholic. That's in Pentecostal and holiness. That's true. Years ago, when the trumpet was beginning to sound, you women wore long hair. You dress like ladies. But you Pentecostal women are getting just as rotten as the rest of them. Right. Chopping off your hair. And the Bible said any woman that cuts her hair, her husband has a right to give her a divorce and leave her. First Corinthians 11 chapter. She even dishonors her husband. Why do you want to wear clothes like that? Now I'm talking to you women because I see you letting your kids on the street act like that. And you yourself are. What the world do you want to wear clothes like that for? It's, I don't care how much religion you're supposed to have. That shows in your heart what's coming out. That shows exactly what you're made out of. Why? You deafen your ear to the real gospel of liberation. That's right. You are marked by the Antichrist. Acting like him. The fruits of your life prove what you are. And you, man, because you let her do it, it shows who your God is and shows what you've done. That's gospel. That's the word. Now who's got the mark of the beast? So close that would deceive the very elected possible. Can't you see, friends, that apple trees bear apples? Pear trees bear pears. What in the world does a woman that's supposed to be a child of God want to dress like that? You say, well, they don't make blouses and clothes. Oh, they don't. You got a sewing machine. Tell you that. It's because that down in your heart, trying to hold it over with a religious crust, 
You've listened to the devil. That's right. And maybe your pastor's guilty for not telling you the truth. You are a peculiar people, a separated people, a holy people, a royal priesthood, altogether different from the world. You don't act like them, dress like them, talk like them. You are called out, separated. Right. Now you see what I mean? If you refuse, now you'll go and say, that preacher is just popping off. Am I? It's the scripture. Then it's the scripture popping off. Then if you've got your ears so bored that you've listened to the devil and you can never no more hear the gospel truth and walk in the light, that's the mark of the beast. The script, you refuse to hear truth. Liberation. That Christ has made you free from those things. And you man, you poor little boneless back thing you that'll let a woman your wife walk around and blow cigarettes smoke through her nose and wear shorts and act like that around your house and you're not man enough you're a poor substitute as the son of God I don't say mine will ever do it if she ever lets down the devil gets older she'll do it but that's the day she ain't Miss Branham no more that's right that's the truth stand up wishbones in man. He puts backbones in man. Gospel bones. That'll stand for the truth. Oh my, what a horrible time we're living. Look around and see sin. Look at it. Oh yes, you couldn't go to prayer meeting. It's just too hot. It's just too cold. Well, after all, the preacher preaches too long. But you can keep your head in that old devil television day and night. You'll look up. Well, half the little kids, when you mothers ought to teach them about Christ, not depend on the Sunday school teacher 15 minutes once a week. Every kid in the land can tell you who David Crockett is, where he come from, and what age he was when he killed his bear. But there isn't one times 100% can tell you how Jesus Christ comes to save sinners. And of 24 Less than 24 months. Yeah, less than 12 months. The whole nation knows about David Crockett. Why can't Christians be a fire for God as Hollywood is for Tommy Rock and let them know who Jesus Christ is? Why? They've sealed their ears. I go to church and I'm as good as you are. That's the attitude. Judas was the same way. The Pharisees was the same way. Is that right? That is true. Broken cisterns. You say, what about the Pope and things? All those things fall in line. When you reject the gospel, your soul becomes an open sepulcher to the devil. And all these things finally wind you up in the great end. Not only is the Catholic Vatican included there, but the Protestant church is also. Revelation 17th chapter said that the Catholic church was a whore and the Protestant churches was prostitutes. But God's people was a called out of the whole thing. Come out of Babylon, said the last warning angel's message. Be not partakers of her sins. Come out. Separate yourself and be different. Not from just a logical standpoint. Not because you think it's right to do. 
but pray until that thing's in your heart. Because that's just what happened to Pentecost a few years ago. And the Nazarenes and Pilgrim Holiness and all the rest of you people. That's right. That's what happened to you. You said, well, the rest of them, they, they all, the sisters are all letting their hair go out. And they're, I, you know, I believe I'll do it too. Oh, you hypocrite. That's exactly. That's the reason you turn right back around and do what you do now. You never had it at the beginning. If it was in your heart, all oh, devils of hell never rooted out of there. How can you ever make you anything but a human being when you're born a human being? How can you ever be anything but a Christian if you're born a Christian? But to reject the truth, then the devil seals the ear. Faith cometh by what? And if your ear's sealed, you don't hear it anymore. Ah, no, I don't believe that stuff. My pastor, he never told us that. He, he, he's got four degrees in college. I, he's better than these holy rollers. Go on! Your ears are sealed. They said the same thing about Peter and John. Said they're ignorant and unlearned men. Amen. But they had power. Hallelujah. To make a lame man leap like a heart. Amen. They opened the eyes of the blind. They unstopped the ears of the deaf because they were preaching the jubilee year. Amen. Thanks be to God for the same Holy Spirit. Amen. That's just the first step. Rejecting Christ. Rejecting the message. No matter how much you try to pretend, that don't do nothing to you. That only takes you deeper in hell. Your life proves what you are. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. Not by their church. Not by their affiliations. But by their fruit. There you are. That's the beginning of the mark of the beast. Then the next thing you know, you go out to some great fine church where they got a lot of theology. Dr. Ph.D. John Doe. Oh, well, you see, those fellows are unlearned. You see, they don't understand. We know in the seminary these things are a little different from that. I'm so glad that there's still a living Christ, the bare record of His Word. And then they see all the signs and wonders. They can't hide that. They can't put it now. God has just so made it so real. Until they can't keep from seeing it. Amen. They're trying to bat it with everything they can, but they'll beat their brains out and never do it. Amen. I told you, standing in the Statue of Liberty one time, little birds laying all around the thing, around a big light there. And I said to the one, what did this? He said, the last night there was a storm. And the little birds was flying right into the light trying to put it out. Instead of taking the light and as it searched out, go to safety, they tried to beat the light out and they beat their brains out. And I said, praise the Lord. So what's the matter with you? I said, I was just thinking of all these infidelic, lukewarm, borderline preachers and believers trying to put the true gospel line out. You'll beat your brains out and God's gospel will shine to eternal ages. Amen. Why don't you step in the light and let it take you to safety? It'll bring you right into a knot hole in the rock. <laughs> That's right. For there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. There you are. Look at the time we're living in. Here we are. Signs and wonders. Look at the church wearing shorts. Look at the women. Bobbed hair. Wearing manicure. All that stuff, makeup. That... Let me tell you. I'm a missionary. You know that. You know where that come from? From the very depths of Africa. The heathens wear that. The African heathen 
And as soon as those women get converted, they take that stuff off. You don't have to tell them nothing about it. But the educated heathen knows more about it, you see. Still a heathen. The Bible said it was. You shouldn't fashion yourself or act like the heathen. The heathen is a deaf eared marked, designated for eternal hell, to burn in the fires of torment forever and ever. The first angel message went forth. Martin Luther. Second angel message went forth. John Wesley. The third angel's message has gone forth. And they still reject it again and worse and worse. And the Bible said that evildoers and sin would get worse and worse. But they that know their God in that day shall do exploits. And the preach of the Lord of the daughters of Zion, which has escaped, will be beautiful in the sight of the Lord in that day. Uh, Isaiah Pike. Uh, what's the matter, people? And you little spineless man. I've seen a man, a supposed to be born again brother, the other day sitting back under a shade tree, reading a magazine, and his wife with a pair of shorts on mowing the yard. Out there where a man was coming by, watching her. I'm not to judge, but the Bible said, By their fruit you shall know them. I walked into a place the other day, coming down, coming out of Yellowstone National Park. I went into a place, and I'm cold-blooded. I can stand lots of cold. I have laid out in zero and a twenty below, sleep to my whiskers to be so froze with ice that I could rake them across and use them sawing back across my camp bag. Wouldn't bother me. And it was cold enough that my wife had to give me a t-shirt and a jacket. And here was that poor little naked heathens walking around there with little kids with little bitty short clothes on and their cigarette sucking husband walking by with an overcoat on and then with little bitty shorts on. Brother, I believe in the name of all righteousness. I'd have pulled a top out of one of them cedars and I'd turned her blue. She'd have had something to be blue about. Yes, sir. I'm not saying that for a joke. This is no place to joke. I'm saying that because it's a gospel truth. I went into a place. Here come a woman in with a little child. Not no more than that. Dressed like a little butterfly. A little strap across her and around her. And a poor little thing was blue or along like that. And here come her sister in about 18 years old. Natalie, a neat built little woman. Every old gaze and eye looking at her. And her nervous little thing sucking on a cigarette. And her... Um, Next woman come in, well, looked like a decent woman. She had a girl, not a little girl, but she had a girl about 15. She had on a short, chubby coat, a long dress. The mother had on a heavy coat. I said, maybe I'm crazy. Well, how comes that there's so much difference one from the other? It's because, brother, sister, the spirit of the thing. Women, you don't want to do that. But it's the devil in you making you do that. You're a slave to it. You're drinking from the devil's stagnated cistern because you've rejected a drink from the fountain that never runs dry. You've rejected the tree of life. You're going after the way of Cain and he'll perish in the gainsaying of Korah. Come out of it! While your ears open to the truth. Be separated, born again. That's hard, but it's truth. Now, brethren, 
How can I escape what you're saying? The time is gone. We'll pick up from here. From the ceiling of that ear. You see how it makes them act? When a person comes to the altar and says, Brother Branham, oh, hallelujah, I got the Holy Ghost, I got this. They might speak in tongues, they might jump, they might shout. If their life don't change, there's something, no life happens in here. It's the same old life. If you could transfer the life out of a pear tree into an apple tree, it'd be a pear as certain as I'm standing here. This life shows what it is. Decency. And God's work miracles. I'm looking, sitting there, Brother Coach, sitting there, right there. And when He don't know this, but a certain, certain person told me that man he got but just a few days to live with a cancer. There he is sitting there. Healed this morning. Around in the building. Different people. Across the nation. What is it? It's God. Working signs and wonders. Going to Africa. Preach thousands of them. Take off their paints and put on their clothes and things and start acting like ladies and gentlemen. But America, oh no. You've got a television to look at. You've got the old vulgar programs, not censored, on the te- radio. Radio and television's all right if it had the right thing. It could be a means of the spreading of the gospel. But you sit and you take your kids and stick their head into it. And the first thing you know, here they are out, little neurotics and everything else, acting and per- impersonating. Well, it's a shame. That's your sister and that's your drinking from why don't you close your eyes to that and look up towards Calvary and say, Oh God, fill my perishing soul. Uh, Listen, you can do without food a long time, but you can't go without drinking. 80% of your body is made of water. The first thing God ever moved on, the Spirit of God ever moved on, was the water. And you can't go without water. And if your soul is hungering to worship, listen, mister... Pentecost and Pilgrim Holiness and Presbyterian, Baptist, whoever you are. See, if you're hungering and you're thirsting, satisfy your thirst with Christ and make Christ your God. Don't turn around and drink from these old stagnated cisterns. The first thing you'll know, you may act ever so religious, but your ears are sealed to the truth. And do you remember? They would be so close to deceive the very elect and to reject the gospel is to be sealed with the mark of the beast. God marks you. And now what does it mean? It was in, in your head. Your ears on your head too. What is it? Your head is your knowledge. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing, not some church rules. But the word of God. Amen. Amen. Then if you reject that, what happens? You're sealed. You don't hear it no more. Oh, that's nonsense. And you're marked. And then the fountain that's in your life will produce just what you really are. Do you see what I mean? Come out of it, folks. You men. You men and you women. Shameless. How can I escape it, Brother Branham? Now, here you are. Just for the next few minutes. Let me tell you. In Revelation, the seventh chapter, the angel went forth to destroy four of them and was bring the whole world to destruction. God said, just a minute. Hold the four winds till we seal the servants of our God in their forehead. And he carried the seal of the living God. The seal of the living God is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of your redemption. Is that right? Grieve not. Don't try to act like the world. Don't wear those. I've got inside scale. Let me tell you something. I'll bring them here and read them to you if you want me to. 
I've got the inside. Captain Al Farrar's, one of my converts, head of the FBI on the juvenile side. Many great men has come in. And he said, Brother Branham, if that type of gospel would be preached, we would be out of job. Certainly, if the people would receive it. But they've already had their ears marked off with some of these slaves of denominations. And they're drinking from them old Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, Pentecostal cisterns. That's all. And they don't know God. They're not open to their heart. Their life proves what it is. Enough temper to fight a buzzsaw and crush you to drop your hat and tell you to shut up your mouth. Well, the other day, some crazy woman driver go right from me, come for your killing two of my children. I said, lady, she said, now you shut your mouth. I'm the one that's driving. And before I got back, 26 women drivers almost caused us to be killed. We kept count of it. They made a mistake when they gave her a driver license. They put her out here to voting. They put her out to these public works. And during the time of the war, right in New York City, more illegitimate children was born in the city of New York as prostitute women and their husbands overseas than there were soldiers killed in the four years of war. When a woman gets out of the kitchen, she's out of her place. Whether she's preaching the gospel or whatever she's doing, she's out of her place. Man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. Man is not a byproduct of the woman, but the woman is a byproduct of the man. I know that scorches, but it's gospel pills that will open up your spiritual digesting tract and let the Holy Ghost sweep through and make you a different person if you'll believe it. Amen. What the Bible says. Now, can you hear or is your ear already stopped up? Amen. Now, if you doubt this, read 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, when you go out. Find out if it's not. Amen. Find out if that's not true. Other scriptures, Isaiah 6, Isaiah 5. Oh, my, all through the scripture. Colossians, Galatians. All speaking, saying, you obey your husband just like this. But your husband's so panty-waist, such a sissified substitute as a Christian, he's a disgrace to mankind, let alone the kingdom of God that'll let you do such a thing. Because he fears you more than he does God, you'll kick him out. He don't care if God kicks him out. He can go to Presbyterians or the Methodists. But if you kick him out, oh my, what's going to happen? You goddess and you goddess lover, why don't you get a backbone in you? I don't know why I'm talking like this. Something make me talk. I don't know. Right. I'm not scolding you. Women, man, I'm only warning you. Amen. Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Get right with God. How can I escape it, Brother Brown? I'm never but joining church. You might be baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three times forward, three times backward, upside down, any way you want to be. You might be sprinkled, poured, put your name on a book. But until you're born again of the Spirit of God, that life of the devil still remains in you. Right. Do you understand? Hallelujah. Now listen closely, before closing. How can I escape it, brother? Neither male or female is accepted or dispelled. You're all one in the sight of God when it comes to this. How do you do it? Your heart is a womb. You know what I'm speaking of, women and men? Your heart is a womb. And the womb holds the seed. And the seed is the gospel. 
Now the seed alone in its heart, no matter how many Gramalians you sit under, no matter how great your pastor is and how much you've read the Bible, it'll never take life until the germ of life has come to it. A woman's seed is a wonderful thing. It's the building of the body, but it has no life. It can't, it's impossible it has no life to begin with. So no matter how much you know the Bible and how well it is in your heart, you're still a sinner. Now, what happens? The heart is the womb. And faith cometh by an open ear. It's not been sealed by theology. Faith cometh by hearing. That here the word comes into the mind. You make up your mind about it. Is that right? Could that be right? Well, the Bible said, so I believe it. Down to the heart it goes. Then it's a womb. Then the male sex. We are the bride, the woman. The seed goes into the church. Then the male sex, which is the blood cell. The blood of Christ is applied and in the blood comes the germ of life that goes into the seed and brings forth a newborn baby. Eva. Crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, my God, my God, why did I ever do those things? My God, my God. There you are. The little wound here in your heart with the seed this morning falling into it. Won't you open your eyes? Won't you let it fall, not from your mind, down into the womb of your heart? Men and women alike. There's neither male or female in this time. Both of you got a heart. Let it fall down here and say, well, sure, that's the truth. Look, the Bible said don't act like the heathen, the unbelievers. Don't yoke yourself with them. Come out from among them. Don't be this way. If you love the world or the things of the world, the fashions, that word comes from the Greek word cosmos, which means the fashions of the world. If you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God's not even in you yet. You've never been born. Then let the male, Christ Jesus, our lover, with His seed in your heart, He comes to His seed to make it alive. Amen. The word, the letter, killeth. The Spirit giveth life. Amen. The letter alone kills. But when the Holy Spirit comes down through the cleansing blood into this womb, a germ takes on. What is it by a mother? The little egg lays there. The little seed lays there waiting for the male. And as soon as the male germ comes, the male germ rushes quick. And what is it? A blood cell. It opens itself. Oh, God, can you hear this thing? Well, I mean God. It opens itself. And around this forms a little pocket of blood. On the inside of this, Puts this little egg to life. And in there begins to come forth. Amen. In there brings life. Amen. We are conceived by the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Spirit of God comes into our hearts. Brings a new person, Christ Jesus. All things die. And if you reject to hear it and just keep, well, my preacher said this, that, or the other. And you refuse to have life, you become sterile. Then you come to a place where you can't have no more children. You're sterile. You're in reproach. You can't have children. And if you breathe the Spirit of God too many times, you are sealed. You don't hear it no more. 
First time you heard it, oh my, you let your hair grow out, you act like ladies, you didn't wear these things, you act like a lady, you act like a man, you kept your house in order, you done those things, but then all at once to begin to move around. What was it? You never let the life come in and go to work. You died prematurely. Right. Now let the Spirit of God come in. Come through the hearing of the Word. You heard it. That's the Bible. If you receive the mark of the beast, you're lost forever. If you receive the seal of God, you're sealed forever. Wow. And there's the two spirits that's working. Maybe Sunday a week or as soon as I can get back, we'll finish it up and get on down and see what they are. Will you receive it this morning while we bow our heads in a word of prayer? Our sister will come to the piano at the time as she will while you're making your mind up. Today, studying in here are people who are now making your maybe your final decision. You either will be or you won't be. Have you sinned so far, sister? Brother, have you sinned so far and crossed the separating line till you think that's foolish? Do you think it's not the Word of God? Have you gotten that condition? Or have you still got a little tinkling there? The door isn't all the way closed. You say, yes, brother, I believe it's the truth. And this morning, I accept it. And from this day henceforth, I mean by the grace of God to make my life different. I now raise my hands to Christ Jesus and ask Him to be merciful to me and let the flow of His life come into me and make me a newborn babe in the kingdom so my life will be like His. Will you do it while you raise your hands to Christ? God bless you. You, 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 you. Someone else, will you now raise your hands? I accept Christ. I believe it. He hears you. He knows you. Look what's going on in the world. We're at the end. You haven't got but a few more days, friend. Do you know hanging yonder in Russia? Done marked with your name on it. You know yonder in hell, the tags hanging on the door, expecting you there one of these mornings? You better let somebody who can go there and take it for you. Take it off. There's only one can do that. That's the Son of God. I have overcome death and hell. I'm He that was dead and alive forevermore. All other grounds are sinking sand. In about six or eight, raise your hand. Is there another while you make up your mind? Just raise your hand up to God and say, Now I raise my hand to Christ to be His servant from this day on. God bless you, Lord and Lady. Someone else, while we wait just a moment. I'll raise my hand to Christ from this day on. I dump the world from my heart. I make my heart pure and clean again. I want to know Christ. To know Him is life. Not to know the Bible is life. Not to know theology is life, but to know Christ is life. Will you raise your hand once more now? Is there another just before closing? It's your decision. Only thing I can do is preach the Word. The Holy Spirit brought it. What do you want to do about it? Can you accept it? Or is your ear sealed tight? Oh, well, I've heard that before. I'll... Some other time. Oh, God, be merciful to you, my lost brother. And not knowing before you leave that door, your heart may stop. Not knowing that you'll ever be in another gospel meeting. And would you sit there, my brother, sister, in that state and not be willing to say, Christ, be merciful to me. I've been wrong. You forgive me. I want to start new today. It's about six or eight hands that went up. Would there be another before close? Before we have prayer, I'm going to pray with you. Then we're going to pray for the sick. All right. Let's keep our heads bowed. Dear God, yes, as the poet wrote, 
There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. We realize that the kingdom of God is not in what we eat or drink or wearing of apparel. We realize that, God, that we don't stop this and stop wearing this and that to make us different. But when the Spirit of Christ comes in, it does that itself. Amen. Not what we do, but what He does. What He does. God, I know this has been very hard, been very cutting. And I know the gospel is, you said, sharper than a two-edged sword, going to the mire of the bones and a discerner of the Spirit. And I pray, Father, that these who were convicted, eight or ten people here in this building, raised up their hands to know that they were in the wrong. Their lives doesn't cope up to your word. And they raise their hands to be remembered in prayer. And I pray thee, Heavenly Father, this very day that you will sanctify their hearts from all the things of the world, that your Spirit may come into their life and there give them grace. And may the newborn babe Christ be definite proof to the whole world as a written epistle read of all men. How, Father, could a woman that says she is a Christian dressed of meat man? Only one did that, Father, in your word, and that was Jezebel. You fed her to the dogs. And give her an example of what a horrible creature she was. And how little Herodian danced with her little striptease clothes on before her foster father. What a society dance that was. And knowing history, that 72 of her children following her through the generations died on gallowses and prostitutes. What an example. Dear John, with his head laid on a platter, testifies to the earth today that there is righteousness in God. Amen. Let it be so today, God, with each one here that is out of Christ. Bring them to a realization, Father, that these words are not falsely. They're your words. And if the Bible is true and the hour is close at hand, give grace and mercy to those who are seeking. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's once together now, slowly, there is a fountain filled with blood. Right after the healing service, I want each person that raised their hand to come to the altar personally. Kneel down and pray. Raising your hand, does that do anything? Yes, sir. certainly does. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. That makes you a new creature. Now, I don't mean just imagine, I mean do it. Then your fruits will prove it. Then after you did that, then by one spirit we're baptized into the body of power and service. Amen. He never said you'll receive new birth after the Holy Ghost come upon you. He said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. A different thing altogether. Not new birth, but new power. Amen. You're born again by believing. You believe to eternal life. But you're baptized with the Holy Ghost unto power. Amen. Power for service. All right, all together.
Christ of the world, apostate church, are the seal of God, holy. Now, while just a moment, remember today that every person leaving this door either leaves with the mark of God or the mark of the enemy. The apostate church. Oh, you say, Brother Bram, I, go, I don't have one thing to do with it. The devil goes to church. He's very religious. The Bible said so. Are you born again? Does your life cope with his word? Does your action, does your life, does your dressing, does your behavior, does your spirit, does your faith all cope with the word of God? Then that shows the life in you is living Christ. Now, once more, I'll softly and tenderly now, the dying thief his last hour. Rejoice to see that fountain in his day. There may I, though violent he washes all my guilt away. All together now, and let's just kindly close our eyes and slip up our hands to God as we sing it. seen a blind man receive his sight there, Buddha, Mohammed, all their prophets was defeated. They stood there and I said, do you believe now that he lives? See the thousands of hands goes up, setting Durban, South Africa, where 30,000 at one time received Christ after a man so crippled that he straightened him. Here not long ago in Winnipeg, China, or Winnipeg, Canada, a little Chinese boy, a little Buddha worshiper about that high, a little midget-like come up, he's blind. He was worshiping Buddha, and I said, if Christ will heal you, will you serve him? He said, I'll serve no other God but the one that would heal my eyes. While he was standing there, his eyes coming again, weeping, looked around, he said, oh, I can see. The first thing he said, said, I see the cross where my sins were expelled. Now think as across around the countries and see the different peoples. See the great signs of coming that Jesus said would be here. Said perplexed the time to stress between the nations. Horseless carriages would be going through the streets with headlights, jostling one against another. And there'd be all these things that the prophets down through the ages have told how they go through the air like birds and under the water like fish. 
causes a great distress between the nations and see all these things. And he said, in that day, he'd raise the Spirit of God up. He would do exploits, signs and wonders. It would be the end time. He said, there will be light in the evening. All nations shall come. God's calling today. I pray that you'll receive him. Now, tonight is the service at the tabernacle. Our most dearly honored and beloved brother, Neville, will be speaking, I suppose, tonight. I aim to be here myself, the Lord willing. Junie, I'm going to try to get to your place Thursday night if I can, if, if any ways possible. And down in New Albany, I think that's your service night, is it? And um, I've been trying to get to the little churches. And now, dear friends, next, listen to Brother Neville's broadcast. I want to pick this mark of the beast up and show you just exactly where it's setting today. Show you where every tribe of Israel is setting. Show that everything is right exactly waiting for the word to be issued from heaven. Behold, he cometh. That's right. Been studying and watching and waiting and praying. Now, my service this morning and now is to pray for the sick. There are some who comes in here from different parts of the country to be prayed for. And we sure want to pray for them. And I want to assure you that God is a healer. That he heals all kinds. How many in here has been healed? Let's see your hands go up. Now you can see. And if I ask this cancer, blindness, deaf, dumb, crippled, just think what it'll be on that day. Someone said, I don't believe in healing. I said, you just come a little too late. <laughs> just a little late. The Holy Spirit beat you here. The other day when I knew my brother dying out there and I was in Canada, right at the Canadian border, how the Lord was merciful with a fever 107, wilting away and kneeling there in prayer. And the doctors walked in, the specialist from Louisville said, Now, son, I don't know what your faith is, but said, There's been somebody here besides the doctor. Uh, yesterday, I took him to Scottsburg to get his car. They said, he'll, said They give him one hour to live. They said, Get his people in because if they're longer than an hour away, they'll never see him. Well, that just shows prayer changes things. So glad that we have a living God. The millions of testimonies of His glory. Now, Sister Gertie, that famous old song. Fear not, little flock, whatever your lot. He's here. And now, how many sure to be prayed for? Let's see your hands. Would you raise up your hands, those to be prayed for? Somewhat look like about 15. And we want you to, now while we're singing, only believe, we want you to come to the altar to be prayed for. And then when you get up here, then we'll dismiss the audience. They can stay or go. And then we'll pray for the sick. Or wait, it might not take but just a moment. Some, the Lord might do something here this morning that you'd love to see. Maybe somebody blind or deaf or dumb. The Lord might heal them. So we don't know just what happens. The meeting here at the tabernacle, we conduct it a little different than what we do in the outside meetings. We usually bring them one by one for discernment to find out what's in their life and what they've done. Here we pray and lay hands on them because it's a massive order. People are coming in from all parts of the country. I'll show you. Anybody here from as far as 50 miles out of Jeffersonville come to be prayed for, raise up your hand. There you are. How many is as far as uh, 100 miles, raise up your hand. There you are. 200 miles. 300 miles. See there? That's what you are, see? Probably way away. Some from different parts. They come wait here in these hotels and things till Sunday morning to be prayed for. So to get them all through, 
after preaching, we just come up and pray and anoint them with oil, lay hands on them, and oh, how God works miracles for us. Amen. We believe. Now, while we're singing, would, I wonder if they would fix the role. Brother or sister, expand. I wonder if you'd come right up this way a little bit. Some of you there, so that they could get in here and line up right along the altar. Let them line up this way, over on this side, so they can pass right down this way. Over on this side, while the rest of us sing, there is a fountain filled with blood. Over on my right, line up right back over here, and everybody be prayed for as they come through the line. Just come as far as right here so they can go back. All right. A here from up north if they arrived that was born deaf and dumb two little boys born deaf and dumb they're little twins that come from up above Sturgis Michigan they're supposed to be here this morning both of them born deaf and dumb are they here raise your hand from Sturgis Michigan if they're here I want you to bring them up and let's use them for an example to show you that God can make the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak Two little boys from Sturgis, Michigan. Have they arrived? They called me yesterday afternoon. I see some little fellows coming in just a moment and we find out. Ask that brother piece in Sturgis. Are you no. from Sturgis, sir? No. no. All right. All right. Well, that's all right. You want God heals. You know that. So maybe your case might not be something that can be seen. But God will do it anyhow. You believe it, don't you? Whether it's seen or not. But I could just... God heals. Amen. How many was it in Annapolis the other night when that deaf and dumb woman, born deaf and dumb, received her hearing and speech? The lady brought her from somewhere, Joliet, Illinois or somewhere. She had never spoken heard in her life. That girl can sing now. Amen. Oh, how marvelous. The woman is in the wheelchair. Her doctor came to me the next day and consulted me over in the place about um, that woman had been paralyzed for, I believe, around 15 years or better, maybe more than that. He said, Mr. Branham, I've been doctoring that woman for years. And he said, I know something happened to her. So you're just walking around doing her cooking today. I said, certainly Jesus Christ came on the scene. Now, as a preacher, I'm not, I'm not much of a preacher. I'm a spare tire in that. But God sent me to pray for the sick. 
And I, I know where I stand there. I know where I stand in the gospel. I can't deliver it like maybe the pastors or so forth. But I, I do know my standing in divine healing. Because that's what I was called for. Now, I want each one of you to do this. If there was one thing that I could do for you, to help you in any way, and would not do it, I'd be a cruel person. And God would be the same. If I would be cruel for not helping you, if I could, and me a man, and you'd consider me cruel, which I would be, how much more would you consider God, who is omnipotent, omnipresent, omnipresent? How could you get by without calling Him cruel if He wouldn't do it? But He has done it. He's only asked you one thing to believe it. That's the only basis. If he put, if you will pay so much money, look where you'd stand. You ain't got it. What if he'd say if you'll uh, maybe do certain things that you couldn't do? But there's one thing that's in reach of everybody. Faith. Just believe it. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. God shall raise them up. And if the heathen, Buddhas, and so forth, and unbelievers, raw heathens who worship idols, can accept it and be healed of blind, deaf, paralyzed. In South Africa, that one prayer over the congregation, 25,000 people got healed. Seven truckloads of crutches and and wheelchairs and things that they packed their loved ones on was picked up off the ground after one prayer. Amen. Seven truckloads to clean the grounds for the next meeting. Oh, God. We poor, educated heathens, so full of doubt and fear. Why do you do it? Oh, can't you cut loose every line this morning? Oh, there is a fountain filled with blood. My ears are open. My heart's open. The seed's here. Come, Lord Jesus, and make it real to me. Amen. God will grant it. Here stands an elderly man I met just a few minutes ago. Coming in the door. He was here with gallbladder trouble years ago. God healed him. Made him ever went home. He said, Brother Bram, didn't always go pray for the sick. So I come. He had a heart attack. Said, I come. Just leaning on things. And here he stands at the altar this morning now. After having prayer for him a few minutes ago. Here he's standing here. God's good, isn't He? He's a good God. He loves. Now to all of you, I'm going to pray for every one of you right now. And I want to ask how many people in here that's, that's able to be up, have feeling for these sick people, will pray this prayer with me as you raise your hand. Now what does the Bible say? The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and if they lay their hands upon the sick, they shall recover. Is that right? Now you people that are standing in the line... I want you to pray this prayer. Now, I'm going to say it. You pray it. Now, with our heads back, all of it together, the ones that stand here, I want you to pray. Almighty God, Creator of heavens and earth, Author of everlasting life, I now believe on Jesus Christ, thy Son. After accepting Him as my personal Savior, I now come to accept Him as my healer. I now confess my faith in Him and His finished works. That's why I stand in this line for your servants 
to carry out the commission to anoint me with oil and lay hands upon me and pray a prayer of faith. I now believe that you heal me. Now, keep your heads back. That's your prayer. You commit yourself to God. There's one doubt. Take it out right now. Now, sure you, nobody will come to you here without being healed if you'll come sincerely. Now, I'm going to pray for you. My, I see a colored sister standing holding a little baby. Cute little thing. I'm thinking the other day up at Junior Cash is that colored girl that had her wreck and severed the hearing and speech could never be spoke or heard no more. Standing right there when I prayed for her and asked the Lord Jesus to heal her, she could speak and hear. With all the nerves cut loose, how did it do it? The Creator God Amen. put them nerves back together and she could speak and hear. Now, Heavenly Father, along this line stands people from parts of the nation and even parts of the world. Some of them here from Africa and from different places. Irish, English, Africans, all different nations has come to the fountain. And I bring them to Thee upon the confession of their faith. And after I've had them to repeat these words to You, praying, God, that it come from sincerity and the depths of their heart, I now offer this prayer, the prayer of faith that shall save the saved. God, be merciful. And I pray that You'll heal them, everyone. Dear God, knowing that there's nothing in I or in your beloved servant, Brother Neville, but Thou hast commissioned us that we should go to all the world, anoint the sick and pray for them, lay hands on them, and pray a prayer of faith, and You said it'll save the sick. And I know that we have power. You give it to us when You give us the Holy Ghost. That's the power. And now, Lord, give us faith to operate this power. We see when you give the disciples power and told them to raise the dead, heal the sick, and cast out evil spirits, we find that they were defeated. And they said to you, why couldn't we do it after you give us the power? You said, because of your unbelief. God, take away my unbelief and the unbelief of this audience. And I approach thee, Lord, as if I were dying and I stand in a breach here this morning Amen. between the living and dead. And I ask Thee, dear God, that these which are in the middle place, the breach, dying with cancer, with diseases, oh, living God, expel death from them and let life take its place for the glory of God. I believe and pray and commit this prayer to You, Lord, as I lay hands on the sick. In the name of Jesus Christ, that you'll heal every one of them for the glory of God and for the gospel's sake. Now, with our heads bowed, softly, Sister Gertie, you need the same. There is a fountain. Oh, I'll change it. Only to me. Softly, everyone, Brother Neville, come with the anointing on.
Everyone in prayer. Everyone holding on to God as we go laying hands on that. I trust that God don't think that I'm trying to do something evil. This poor boy's come a thousand miles. Now, friends, you see where I stand? My God's got to be right or wrong. I believe God. This is God's Word. The Koran, all other books are false. This is truth. God's Word. Without a vision, without nothing but believing that that angel of God, who I know is standing present, will come to my aid through the blood of Jesus Christ and will do this that I've asked for. And now, I say to this audience, understand clearly, if you raise your head till you hear my voice, I will not be responsible for what happens. Because you know that these spirits go from one to another. They'll come right straight to you. So in Jesus Christ's name, no matter how much believer you believe that you are, I ask you to keep your head bowed, your eyes closed, till you hear my voice. Don't watch what I do. I'm praying. That's all I'm doing. But the gate of the soul is the eyes. And when you're looking, you think you have faith. Many times when you don't, you just have hope. Now, please, from right now, may every head stay bowed, every eye closed, inside and out, till you hear my voice say, raise your head. May in Christ's name you do it. Dear God, standing before this brother, in thy name, in the name of thy holy child, the Lord Jesus. Oh, you who walked down Galilee, you who made the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak, the blind to see, and you projected by the Holy Spirit this power into your church. Oh, eternal God, who raised Jesus from the dead, Help me to have faith at this moment because this boy being dead and a mute can't hear and don't know how to appropriate faith. May he hear us. And now upon the sovereign grace of God, upon the witness of the Holy Ghost, and upon the vindication of a worldwide ministry that you have granted to your unprofitable servant, 
as an unworthy person, as one who is unable, but a believer, I now challenge this new spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And with a sincere heart, I say, come out of the man. For I adjure thee by the living God that you depart from him, that he'll be well. In Christ's name, I challenge thee to come out of the man through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Praise the Lord. Let's give God praise. Let's stand up to our feet just a minute. Almighty God, author of everlasting life, giver of every good gift, send thy blessings upon this children. I pray that you'll anoint them, give them the desire of their hearts by filling them with the Holy Ghost. Great signs and wonders might be done for the glory of God. Through Jesus' name, amen. Now you be seated. He, he says through the microphone, he can hear me a little through the microphone. Wave your hands. Hear it? Through the microphone. Hear me a little? Hear me now? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Let's say praise the Lord. Amen. That's good. Now what happened? The deaf and dumb spirit left him. Now he's beginning to talk like a baby. Hear like a baby. Do you understand like a baby? The spirit that had him gripped has left him. Now, see that he keeps on doing it. See? Don't let unbelief settle down no more. Let it go on. Amen. And be well. Amen. <laughs> oh, you ought to see his face high, smile, and looking this way. Play the music, Sister Gurney. Here. Wait. <laughs> He's talking to me. <laughs> Amen. Let's say praise the Lord. Everybody. Jesus lives and reigns, doesn't he? Let's say I believe. I believe. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us bow our heads just a moment now. How wonderful, how glorious, how teachless, how tasteless the hour when Jesus no longer I see. Sweet prospects, sweet music, sweet flowers have all lost their beauty to me. 
Amen. The fields strive in vain to look gay, but when I am happy in Him, December's as pleasant as May. Amen. How wonderful. Oh, God, how we love you and worship you. How we praise you. How matchless you are. How good, how full of mercy. Let's just raise our hands real slowly now. Up to him and worship him just a moment. As you just raise your hands and say, Praise the Lord Jesus. Come to me.